getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com/rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen, and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali, from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback, Janovich, hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fenn. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fenn takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. Ends on court. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exorcise the demons of another doomed season. I have exorcised the demons. This house is clear. are live welcome in everybody to a i wouldn't quite call it an impromptu episode of the huddle up podcast because we're planning on going live today and recording a podcast for our awesome listeners but today we ended up having a lot more to talk about than we initially foresaw zach the denver broncos fired offensive coordinator rich scangarello and all signs point to the team hiring Pat Shermer, former head coach of the New York Giants. And before we get to the Shermer stuff, share with our audience your gut reaction to the Broncos firing Scangarello. This is something I did not see coming, Chad. We both said that he'd be back this year. We both said it pretty definitively, too. I, I was blown away when I heard the news. I thought it was a joke. I thought I got punked that it was some uh, you know, random Twitter account reporting that, but it's actually the truth. And 
Apparently, they weren't on the same page, Fangio and Scangarello. I don't really like this move, and I don't like the Shermer move either. I think I'm in the minority when I say that, but you don't fire a first-time coordinator after only one year when you're hitching your wagon to a young rookie quarterback. Scangarello was not perfect. He was far from it, but he was growing. He was getting better, and the Broncos really desperately needed continuity. And they're just keep going back to the same old well, the retread well. I have a lot to say about this, Chad, but I think uh, I'm not crazy about the move. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely let our hair down and talk about Pat Shermer. But, you know, this was a common question that we were getting from our great listeners down the stretch of the season. Even after Drew Locke had come in and surprise, surprise, he looks good. He's winning ball games. We got this question a lot from our listeners. Hey, is could it be possible that Rich Scangarello – is on the hot seat. And one thing, too, I want to give credit to, and we didn't see it coming. One thing I want to give credit to as well, our friend, Eric Trickle, lead draft analyst at milehighhuddle.com, he's kind of been a guy that's over the course of this entire season, even once the Broncos got out to that 0-4 start, it looked ugly under Flacco offensively. It sort of got a little bit better that first game uh, with Brandon Allen. But throughout that time, he kept talking about the possibility or likelihood of Scangarello being on the hot seat. He took a lot of flack for it, did Eric, on uh, social media. But that's what he was hearing, that it was he that Scangarello's kind of blowing in the wind, so to speak, where the, the axe could go either way. It's like on the movie Gladiator. You guys remember when the emperor comes out and he goes, you know, he goes like this. Is it going to be up? Is he good? Does he survive? Or is it thumbs down? And uh, turned out being that, yeah, the Denver Broncos very much had on their mind, Zach, the idea of if we can upgrade, if they, you know, they believe it's an upgrade. If we can upgrade the offensive coordinator position, we're going to do that. I mean, it's subjective, though, as to what an upgrade entails, Chad. The Broncos tried this route with a former head coach of Mike McCoy, and how did that work out? I mean, they finally went the right way, I feel. It's all a matter of opinion, but they finally re- went the right way with a young, creative mind. Now they're going to a guy who literally ran Saquon Barkley into the ground, who I think didn't do that great of a job with Daniel Jones. And everyone's talking about Case Keenum's production under Pat Shermer. That was an outlier. That was not sustainable. That was a fluke year. So I like Sangarello. He was not perfect, but he was young. He was up and coming. And I think he had a lot more to offer. I think he was going to get better in the second year. I am not a fan of this move, having Drew Locke learn an entirely different offense in his first starting season as a full-time starter. I'm just not a fan of it. And that's really what it comes down to, is that the Broncos will now have their fifth offensive coordinator in as many years. And for the quarterback, Drew Locke, he will now have his fifth offensive coordinator in the last six years Hmm. of him playing football. So we got a lot to get to tonight. We're going to grab your comments, your reactions. We got some super chats rolling in. We're going to grab you guys here in just a second. First, though, just a couple of really quick matters of business. You guys, make sure you are following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. That is simply the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time, as you can see there at the bottom of the ticker, at HuddleUpPod. And then don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a creative review on the Huddle Up Podcast. If you like what Zach and I are doing, leave us a five-star rating, you guys. It is a great organic way to support the show, and it also enters you into our drawing, our giveaway each month. We draw a couple names out of the hat randomly from those who rendered a review in that month, and we send them some swag or a shirt, you know, hat, beanie, whatever it might be. Two birds, one stone. So take care of that business. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether you're an athlete, a weekend warrior, or someone who deals with constant joint pain, back pain, muscle soreness, or arthritis, finding a natural remedy that instantly works might seem non-existent, not possible, impossible. Most over-the-counter pain relievers such as Icy Hot and Bengay only focus on one basic cooling effect which temporarily takes your mind off the pain until that pain returns in an hour or so. If you're looking to get rid of that nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution of CryoFreeze CBD, developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on is especially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is, this is 100% natural. CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application and relief lasts up to 8 hours, much longer than over-the-counter products. It's super easy to throw into your gym bag and take on the go for emergency pain relief. Simply roll it over where it hurts and ice out the pain with an arctic blast. Omax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This discount also applies toward any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code OVERTIME to take advantage of this incredible savings. That's O-M-A-X health.com and enter code OVERTIME to get 20% off cryo-freeze and site-wide. All right, Zach, I want to touch on one of the bigger things here that that I think is probably – you know, I'm not so much worried about Scangarello's viability as a as a coach. He's going to find a job. He'll land somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if Shanahan rehires him for some, yep. you know, some job. But what it, the implications for Drew Luck? That's what I'm concerned about. Is you know, we've the Broncos have really lacked ever since Gary Kubiak stepped down. Offensive continuity. You know, first it was Mike McCoy, then it was Bill Musgrave. Now you got uh, actually, I feel, feel like I'm missing one. No, that's right. After 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 Kubiak, and then of course in comes Rich Scangarello, and now it's going to 
probably be Pat Shermer. Now, I want to put a pin in Pat Shermer just for a second and talk about the reality that we were expecting the Broncos to kind of view the Scangarello. You know, look, the Broncos finished bottom five offensively in just about every major offensive statistical category in the in the league, with the exception of – I can pull it up here, and, and I will actually here in just a second – with the exception of giveaways. Other than that, your Denver Broncos offensively were a bottom five team. And you can argue, Zach, look, Scangarello didn't have it easy. You know, he had he had three different um, starting quarterbacks he had to make lemonade with. And that's all true. But the problem wasn't so much – I wouldn't say the major culprit on the, on that side of things. It wasn't the, the personnel, especially early on, as much as a critic as I was of, of Joe Flacco – I should say it's probably 50-50 in terms of the, the scheme and the play calling of Scangarello and Joe Flacco. His biggest drawbacks for Scangarello, great developer, great teacher, great coach, of, especially of quarterbacks. But as a game planner, Zach, we saw his, his, his game plans work initially, especially in first quarters of games. Then he would fall off in-game, calling the right play at the right time, counter-punching the, the counter from his, his opponents. We weren't seeing that on a consistent level, and that's – ultimately what cost him his job it did and I think there was uh trouble under the surface of the water between him and Fangio as well I don't think they got along and I think maybe Scangarello was forced on Vic Fangio but look what Scangarello was given to work with you hit on the fact that he had Joe Flacco he had uh, Brandon Allen he had a, a raw rookie quarterback after that he had a bad offensive line they traded away Emmanuel Sanders he had really a lot of injuries all over the board really what could he possibly do in year one that would be blowing everyone away that would ensure he keeps his job in year two I don't understand what more the Broncos want to see, considering they hired him to develop a young quarterback. That was his prowess. That was his big resume builder. And they got rid of him after one year with a young rookie quarterback who he's first starting to build with. I don't understand why they went away from that. I think there's more to do than just his uh, lack of aggressiveness or whatever his in-game play calling. I think this is a personal clash with Vic Fangio, and he wanted someone more experienced on staff. I don't know if Shermer's the right fit, though. I would have liked to have someone like Helen Moore, let's say. Someone a little more creative, a little more young, not a retread head coach who was just fired by the Giants, and their offense wasn't exactly great, Chad. So I don't really – I think I'm in the minority here. I don't yeah. like it. I'm not as nearly as down on the possibility of Shermer being the hire, which is all signs point to that. It's been reported by Mike Garofalo, uh, Ian Rappaport, I think, as well. I'm not nearly as, as pessimistic on that hire just because, yeah, as a head coach – He's one of those guys similar to Wade Phillips. He's just a lousy head coach. But as an offensive coordinator, if you look at his resume, Pat Shermer, he has worked for a lot of interesting coaches. He's mostly a West Coast offense. You know, the bones of his scheme is West Coast offense. As an offensive coordinator, his his resume is replete with success. And especially you look at what he's done with young quarterbacks himself. Now, one thing I talked about earlier today in a written article covering this very topic is that Broncos fans actually – have Pat Shermer to thank for the two-year, $36 million deal the Denver Broncos gave Case Keenum two years ago because it was under Shermer in Minnesota that he was able to you know, kind of put lipstick on that pig and allow Case Keenum to outkick his coverage, You know, sucked in John Elway, hook, line, and sinker. And, of course, the Broncos were not able to recapture that form of Case Keenum because it lacked Shermer's touch. It lacked Shermer's you know, impact and hit the way that he can call a game, the way he can teach uh, scheme, the way he can teach technique for quarterbacks, et cetera. I like the idea of Shermer coming in. And what's interesting too, Zach, is 
Now Vic Fangio has two former head coaches as assistants when you count also Mike Munchak. I mean, how did that work out for the offensive line last year, though? I mean, Mike Munchak, for all his prowess as a head coach, the offensive line was lagging. So I don't really fall back on their resume too much. This might be one situation, Chad. We have to agree to disagree. I just – he wasn't perfect, Scangarello, but they could have went with someone, I think, a little better track record than Pat Shermer. I understand his history. I understand the quarterbacks he's worked with. He's an Andy Reid disciple. He comes from that coaching tree. But to me, it just feels like Mike McCoy all over again. They hired a former head coach, bringing him in to try to canvas this offense the difference is they have a young impressionable second year quarterback that they're building upon not a veteran not a case keenum not a brock osweiler this is the future of the franchise here so they're entirely hoping that Shermer is the upgrade that they're seeking now they're entirely hoping that he is the reason they take more chances down the field they have more big plays but is that going to fix offensive line is that going to fix the personnel on the field it's a lot more than just the play calling it was a lot more than just Scangarello and I'm surprised that he was the fall guy for this and Fangio's preaching we want to do what's in the best interest of the team if that's so fire Tom McMahon too show some accountability or else this rings hollow to me you know scapegoating Scangarello and keeping McMahon which was the biggest culprit on the team how can that not go hand in hand I think it frankly just came down to there was a lot more going on behind the scenes as far as how the team viewed Scangarello internally and his body of work in 2019 then initially met the eye. Both you and I, many times when asked about it on this very podcast, told fans, no, nah, it's not going to happen. Scangarello, you know, why would John Elway, after as much lack of continuity that this team has had, go and kind of, you know, scramble this thing when you found your quarterback, you've got your young guy, let him grow with his offensive coordinator, don't throw a whole new system at him, don't throw a whole new coaching approach at him in year two. That's just not going to happen because even though the Broncos offense failed to lift off in 2019, there were a lot of you know um, mitigating factors, especially considering the three quarterbacks thing. Did the offense look better down the stretch? Yes, it did, and it came down to Drew Locke. With a dynamic quarterback under center, that offense took flight somewhat. We saw it really you know, shooting to the stratosphere against the Texans, and that gave you – a taste, Zach, of what this team could do with Drew Locke as the quarterback. But clearly, the front office and and Vic Fangio didn't think that that 38-24 drubbing of the Houston Texans was something that Scangarello could duplicate. And it sounds like they think a guy like Shermer can. Now, Brian jumps in with a $5 donation on Super Chat. Let's start getting to some of our great listeners here. Thanks for the tea, guys. Love it as much as the Skangs firing. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. We did shoot you out a a T-shirt. Glad to hear you got that okay, Brian. Uh, Prank Films jumps in with a $5 donation. Thank you. Do you think John Elway is is behind this firing or Vic Fangio? Could this put Elway on the hot seat if it backfires? Zach, Cecil Lammy reported earlier today that the relationship between Scangarello and Vic Fangio was, quote, frosty at times. So what's your answer here for Prank Films? I think this was a Fangio decision. I think he was given autonomy to build his staff the way he wants it. And I think Elway and Fangio sat down after the season. We talked about that. They were going into an evaluation mode for 2019. And some point between Black Monday and now, they sat down and decided that Scangarello had to go. And I think he left that decision in Fangio's hands. That's why I was saying, if he put out a statement saying we have to get better, why not hold everyone accountable? Why just Scangarello? Why not McMahon? Why not the punter? Is there more changes to come? Is more offensive? What happened to T.C. McCartney as quarterbacks coach? What's going on with the offense here? Was it solely Scangarello's fault? I don't happen to think that was the case with the Broncos' offense lagging last year. It wasn't solely Scangarello. I'm just surprised as of now he was the only one falling on the sword, Chad. 
This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to who it was, I think your instinct, Zach, that Scangarello was kind of foisted upon Fangio is true. I think that Fangio kind of had to be convinced of the Scangarello hire based on the track record of what he was able to accomplish with Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, you know, being a part of the evaluation that and the trade that landed Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco – but ultimately, Vic Fangio is a first-year head coach. You know, he wants a competent, experienced veteran on that side of things because he's still calling plays on defense, and he has to handle all the minutia and little things that come up as a head coach that you have to deal with. So I think there's probably a lot more veracity to that notion that Scangarella was an Elway hire more so than Fangio, which, to answer the question bringing us to the moment, is – I think the firing probably stemmed from Fangio. He's there in the meetings each and every day. He's a part of the game planning each and every week in 2019. He knew what the pros and cons, the strengths, the weaknesses of Scangarella were laid bare after 16 games. And when he saw an opportunity to grab an upgrade, in his opinion, okay, we, we don't need to debate that in this very moment. In Fangio's opinion, an upgrade, he took it. But I think Elway, of course, had to rubber stamp that. And he did. Now let's jump over here to Josh. $5 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Josh. I would prefer to see us sign Jay Gruden instead. Do you guys agree? I'm not bashing him for not succeeding with the Redskins personally. You know, Jay Gruden to me was always – I never quite understood the love affair that Washington had with him as a head coaching candidate to begin with, why they stuck with him as long as they did. I mean, the whole Kirk Cousins thing, the way that unfolded and ended in Washington aside – I've never been a huge fan of Gruden. I think that those Cincinnati teams that he presided over offensively, kind of the peak of the Andy Dalton years, those were more of uh, uh, the impetus for the success of those teams, Zach, were more a result of how good those rosters were at the time and the defense Marvin Lewis was running with Paul Gunther, as opposed to Jay Gruden being this, you know, game-changing offensive mind. He's a competent OC. He's a competent offensive mind in the NFL. I don't see him personally. Uh, He doesn't have the same resume for developing young quarterbacks. He doesn't have the same resume for playoff wins that a Shermer does. 
Yeah, I mean, if it's between the two, which is not a great pick your poison, I would go with Pat Shermer. But why does it have to be between Jay Gruden or Pat Shermer? Why can't it be another offensive mind out there that's a little younger? Well, I know for the sake of the question, we're just answering it. But sure. uh, in the, in this situation, I would take Pat Shermer over Jay Gruden, but neither to me, you know, you know, set off any alarms. Neither to me blows me away. Well, before we knew for sure that it was going to be Shermer, the top three candidates, after I sniffed around, asked around a little bit, was Shermer. Uh, Jason Garrett from Dallas, mm. and then, of course, North Turner, who was recently let go when the, the whole uh, Carolina staff was fired after Ron Rivera was dispatched. So those were the top three, but I like the idea. Kellen Moore is interesting to me. Jay Gruden's another, if you're looking for a veteran guy with experience, he's another guy that I could at least understand. I'm not a huge fan of Gruden, as I said, but I could at least understand if it went that way. But it sounds like to me, Zach, as opposed to the young you know, up and coming Zach Taylors of this, you know, c- group of potential candidates. Fangio wanted to err on the side of experience and probably wouldn't have fired Scangarello for anything less than the perfect candidate in his yeah. eyes that brought a balance of experience and, you know, teaching, development, wherewithal to the table. Yeah, I get that for sure. There wasn't many experienced candidates out there, and there has to be a – it can't be a lateral move if they want to pluck an offensive coordinator elsewhere. But, you know, if it's Norv Turner, Jay Gruden, or Pat Shermer, it has to be that retread well. And to me, on the surface, Chad, if you had asked me that question three days ago, it would none of them would aspire confidence. I would have said, no, let's keep scans. Let's go to year two with the same system, the same scheme, and let's see what he can do with a full year of lock under center. So I, I don't happen to like Jay Gruden. I don't like Norv Turner. And I don't necessarily like Pat Shermer, but, you know, it's what the cards were dealt here. Basically, what we were told is that at Mile High Huddle, what we picked up, a lot of this having to do with Eric Trickle reporting, is that there was a reason why in the end-of-season press conference we heard John Elway and Vic Fangio kind of beg off making any decisions or evaluations on players or coaches because they were going to take some time away to kind of recharge, come back and try and attack this thing, look at the roster, look at the coaching staff with a fresh perspective, as detached and removed from emotion as possible. But even still, Fangio said in that moment, he does not foresee any changes to his coaching staff. Some people even scoffed at the idea that anyone would uh, be interested in any current Broncos coaches because of the team's finish at 7-9. and And we found out also over the weekend that the L.A. Rams are hiring Brandon Staley as the defensive coordinator to replace Wade Phillips. Shocker there. More here in just a little bit. But they took that time off, Zach, and came up, came back. And I think one of the reasons for taking the time off is they wanted to buy time to see which coaches would be fired and come free. You know, even if it's not a head coach candidate to be the offensive coordinator, a guy like a North Turner who was, you know, they had to wait to see whether or not Carolina was going to retain him, et cetera, et cetera. They, they waited. And then once they saw Shermer was available, the impetus to this whole thing catching fire today, I mean, it's Sunday, right? Usually these type of newsy situation, this is a Monday morning type of breaking news. It came on Sunday because the Minnesota Vikings were very close to bringing him back after Kevin Stefanski, of course, taking the head job in Cleveland. Gary Kubiak isn't the offensive coordinator. He's an offensive assistant slash assistant head coach. Doesn't sound like the Vikings initially wanted him to go back to or go to, to, to become the OC in Minnesota, but they wanted Shermer to come back after his two-year stint under Mike Zimmer there. And the Broncos saw that and realized, look, if we want this guy, we got to cut bait with Skangarello now and make our move. 
You know, the only thing I like about this move, Chad, for now, I'm, I mean, this will grow on me. I need some time to come around on Pat Shermer, but the one thing I did like is they announced this during the Chiefs game, and that was an ultra level of petty that I do appreciate. If they would have just waited, though, one more day, I mean, or whatever, Bill Bill O'Brien is now available. He lost, the Texans lost, so he, to me, would have been an offensive coordinator candidate that I would have liked that's from that reach right well, but they wanted Shermer. They obviously had their man in place. They wouldn't have fired Scangarello so suddenly. They did not have another man in place, and we just have to see if it's the right choice. Terry wants to know, jumps in with a $2 donation on Super Chat, yeah, whether Terry. or not they kept <clears throat> quarterbacks coach T.C. McCartney. For now, they have, Terry. We haven't heard any changes at the quarterbacks coach level, and that makes sense too, Zach, because where you're going to lack continuity on a scheme level, at least Drew Locke will have his position coach that he has now become accustomed to. Stu McPeak jumps in, $20 donation on Super Clutch. Chat, one of Thanks, our super Stu. stars on Super Chat. We love you, Stu. Appreciate you so much, man. Uh, let me jump down here see what else. Michael says, Shermer will be good. It's better to make the move now if they are going to do it at all. Doug Rose doesn't like the idea of Kellen Moore. That's stupid. He hasn't made the playoffs. Because that's solely on him. Yeah, We can circle back on that. What Talk about this because I know as as – Part of your job covering the NFL at large for heavy, you cover a lot. Of course, the Dallas Cowboys are yeah. a high-profile team. You cover them quite a bit. Your take on Jason Garrett as a potential candidate oh. for the job like this, and, of course, Kellen Moore. You know what? It, we we want to talk about head coaches that aren't great head coaches but good coordinators. That's Jason Garrett. But to me, he wasn't the right man for the job. I feel like uh, – Vic Fangio wanted someone with a little more history developing quarterbacks. And I think in Dallas, he drove Romo into the ground. He drove Dak Prescott into the ground. So Garrett, he wasn't a great fit here. Uh, Kellen Moore, though, to me, young guy, he has experience as a play caller. To me, last year watching the Cowboys, he did a really, really great job taking over for Scott Lenahan. And to me, it was like going from Musgrave to Scangarello. It was a breath of fresh air in Dallas. Uh, creative mind, a lot of gadget plays, a lot of pass-happy offense, a lot of points on the board. Kellen Moore, to me, I know he's not the experienced type that most want, but that's where I want the Broncos to look. That's why I was so happy they went with Scangarello last year, Chad. They were finally embracing that young mentality, the Kyle Shanahan, the Sean McVay, those kind of coaches. To go back to someone like Pat Shermer, though, is like going back to me, to me, like Mike McCoy. So Kellen Moore, that was, if there was a short list, that would have been the top of my list, but I understand in a sense why Fangio went for experience over an up-and-comer. The problem is they did go for the young guy, the young up-and-comer on the West Coast offense side of things, and it didn't come out in the wash the way they probably expected. And I don't just mean from you know the, the statistical finishes, but let's face it, we criticized Skangarello a lot throughout the duration of 2019 for coaching scared, for coaching not to lose. We didn't see that swagger and that aggressive uh, penchant for – you know think of a gunslinger from a play-calling perspective. We didn't see that step on their throat – that instinctive killer kind of instinct from from Scangarello, which you would think, and that's not even to say anything about a lack of creativity. Like you talk about with Kellen Moore doing a lot of pre-snap stuff and gadget plays, and you know that's kind of what how Andy Reid is destroying the NFL right now. And even Chris Harris Jr. talked about that earlier this week when he appeared on the Rich Eisen show. How difficult it is to prepare for comparing, for example, the Chiefs to the Green Bay Packers. Packers, he said simple to line up and go against those guys because there's not a lot of pre-snap. They just line up and you just, if you win your matchup, you probably win the rep. Whereas with the Kansas city chiefs, you're constantly on your heels, not only because of the threat that the, the skill position guys bring from their athleticism and speed, but all that pre-snap stuff, it's got your eyes moving and makes your brain move and you're thinking as much as you're reacting. And that's kind of what I think in a perfect world, you'd like to see John Elway 
dispense with this whole West Coast. It has to be West Coast offense. That's what won two Super Bowls in Denver. You know, in my day as a, as a player, that's what I'd like to see a guy like Kellen Moore embraced. It's not going to happen so long as John Elway's the guy at calling the shots in the Broncos front office. Now, David Neal jumps in, $2 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you. Zach, he says, is this Elway saving face over the Flacco trade? I don't think so. I don't think they go hand in hand. I don't think they're exclusive there. I just think it's uh, Elway giving Fangio a little more power here, and I think uh, Fangio never really got along with Scangarello for whatever reason, personal and professional reasons. I don't think it's some tinfoil hat theory. I don't think it's anything to do with Joe Flacco. This move was made with Drew Locke in mind. Whether Shermer's the right guy is debatable, but there's no debate whether it was made around Drew Locke and the development of him this year and going forward. Carla jumps in, $10 donation on Thank Super you. Chat. Thank you, Carla. She says, I don't understand this move at all. In the end, I hope we don't end up regretting it. I don't. I hope so as well, Carla, to be honest with you. And it kind of really just boils down to what Joseph's asking here. Zach, well, what does this mean for Drew Locke? Will it hurt him or make him better? And before you answer that question, I want to take a quick look here at Daniel Jones. Now, Daniel Jones, of course, started – Almost three times as many games as Drew Locke as a rookie this year. Drafted in the first round, whatever he was, pick number six or eight. I can't remember now exactly off the top of my head. Top ten pick, though. He started in uh, played in 13 games. I think he started all three. He ended up with a 24-12 to 12 touchdown to interception ratio. Had more than one game, Zach, with four touchdown passes in a single game. That's one thing I'll give Shermer is that offensively, he gets a lot out of his quarterbacks. Like, We'll see from a inspiration, creativity, you know, we'll, we'll see how that comes out in the wash. But I, my bet is that this has a very galvanizing effect. You want on Drew Locke. You want to see Drew Locke take that quantum leap forward in year two. We were hoping to see that with Rich Scangarello, but him taking that leap in year two was also contingent, Zach, on Scangarello figuring things out. Now that whole aspect of it has been removed from the equation, and it's now a question of, Will Drew Locke fit with Pat Shermer? And let us not forget as well, Zach, Pat Shermer passed on Drew Locke in the first round, took Daniel Jones. And if I'm Drew Locke, I'm thinking to myself, that first meeting I have with him face-to-face or phone call, whatever it might be, hey, Pat, you passed on me in the first round, dude. You took Daniel Jones, dog. Now, you did a great job with Daniel Jones, but why'd you pass on? uh, I mean, that's what I'd be thinking. Yeah, I mean, the presumption here, though, is like I said, was it all on Scangarello, Chad? Was the Broncos' struggles last year all on his play calling, all on his creativity or lack thereof, or was it not the supporting cast? Was it not the injuries, the offensive line, the lack of a number two wide receiver? In Minnesota, he had a stack wide receiver group. He had a good running game and a great offensive line. That made Keenum look better as a result. Whether he, like I said, whether he meshes with Locke is, is one thing that it will be determined, but I think this move was definitely made with Locke in mind. I mean, going on in his history, Nick Foles, going down the list, even to Case Keenum, he has that on his resume. He has that experience. Yep. I think that's what made him win out over the other people, including Skankarello. Yeah, the one Pro Bowl season in Nick Foles' you know, resume, he's got the Super Bowl championship, Super Bowl MVP, and one Pro Bowl, not if I'm not mistaken. But it was that 2013 year. The same year, Peyton Manning, of course, set the world on fire and Open the season with seven touchdown passes against the Baltimore Ravens. You guys can remember that later that same year, and that was a record. He broke the record for most touchdown passes in a single game. Later that year, under Pat Shermer as offensive coordinator in Philly, it was Nick Foles who ended up tying that mark. So it's not a record solely owned by Peyton Manning anymore, the single-game touchdown record. 
it is shared with Nick Foles. And Shermer had a hand in that. David jumps in again with a $5 donation. He said it's possible Shermer had Locke rated higher in the draft than Jones. That's possible that he was pounding the table for Locke and it was Dave Gettleman, the GM, that wanted Jones, but I doubt it. I mean, my bet is that the the two, the GM and the head coach, were probably unified on their decision to grab Daniel Jones. Yeah, I'm sure he wielded considerable influence considering his you know his past as a quarterback whisperer, so they say. So, yeah, I'm sure he had a lot of say in bringing Daniel Jones to New York, but now he gets his chance to work with Drew Locke. So, in Shermer's case, he got a best of both worlds. Brian wants to know, $2 donation. Thank you, Brian. Zach, would you have preferred Norv Turner instead? And Norv Turner, most famous for, most fans can remember, Zach, that he was, of course, partnered at the hip with Philip Rivers in San Diego for all those years. But what actually built his legend in the NFL is he was Jimmy Johnson's offensive coordinator that won those first two Super Bowls with the Aikmans and the Emmett Smiths and the Michael Irvins of the world. I think uh, the game passed North Turner by, Chad. That would not be, have been an exciting hire for me. I mean, if I had to come down to, like I said, I would take Pat Shermer over North Turner, but I don't understand why it has to be between those two. North Turner, uh, that's a guy who was great years ago, not so great now. So the Broncos made a right decision passing him up. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, let me grab here. And by the way, while we're on the topic, since Jimmy Jones or Jimmy Jones, Jimmy Johnson's name just came up. Of course, we we learned over the weekend that both Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson are making it to the hall this year. And congrats to them. And in their own way, they're both, especially Jimmy Johnson, deserving of the hall. Like for Jimmy Johnson, this was a long time coming. Bill Cower, you can make a really sound argument. He deserves to be in the hall. Where you lose me is that he has a more deserving resume for the Hall of Fame than Mike Shanahan, who is um, on a very short list of elite NFL coaches to win back-to-back world championships. To me, if you're going to put Bill Cowher in the Hall, you need to put Mike Shanahan in the Hall. Just a quick aside. I know a lot, everyone wants to talk about the coaching and what it means for Drew Locke, but just a quick aside. I'm telling you right now. Mike Shanahan, and I would have said this, and I have said this on this podcast before, long before Bill Cowher ever actually made it. Mike Shanahan, it is an egregious crime against football that Mike Shanahan's not in the Hall of Fame, and he's been out of football long enough, Zach, that 
from the qualifying, you know, need, I think, what is it, six seasons or is it seven that you have to be out of the game to be in the running for the Hall? He's been, what was it, 2013 was his last, so 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, seven years. I mean, put Mike in the Hall. Let's get that hashtag going. This was like Jerry Jones getting in before Pat Bowlin, Chad. Unfortunately, it's always a name recognition game, a popularity game. Shanahan absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame, but I'm, I'm glad for Jimmy Johnson. I'm glad for Bill Cowher. They were great coaches and, and good men, good people, but Mike Shanahan definitely has a spot, I think, reserved there. It's only a matter of time before he gets in a can, in my opinion. It's just the Pittsburgh Steeler effect, to be honest with you. Right. If you were prolific in any way as a player or coach and you were a Steeler, you're making it to the Hall. Your odds of getting into the Hall of Fame increase three or four fold as opposed to being a Bronco. And even though Pittsburgh's technically a small market team, similar to Denver, it was maybe more of a medium market team, both of them medium, medium markets, there is a bias, dude. I'm sorry. There's a bias against the Denver Broncos when it comes yep. to um, Pro Football Hall of Fame voting. Now, I hope it doesn't jinx – Steve Outwater, because as much as I'd like to see John Lynch get in, Steve Outwater is one of only two players from the all-decades 90s team that is not in the Hall of Fame. He's going up against the other guy in this particular round. So, I don't know. I hope uh, There's been shifting for the Broncos in the Hall in the last few years with Pat Bowen and Terrell Davis getting in, but it's they're still woefully underrepresented as a franchise that has eight trips to the Super Bowl and three world championships. I mean, that's just the case in, in the entire media chat throughout the country. Look at the, the the Adam ranks of the world and the Justin Simmons getting snubbed. The Broncos will never get the recognition until they start winning again. And once that happens, we'll see a lot more movement on a national scale and a Hall of Fame scale as well. Cottonmouth78 jumps in with a $2 donation on Thank Super you. Chat saying, the bright side is we get Bradley Chubb and Andy Janovich back this year. That's true. Mm-hmm. And getting him, getting getting Chubb back especially is like getting a Pro Bowl player back. So that's something to look forward to. And we'll be talking a lot more about that. You know, who the Broncos are getting back, team building, what to look for in 2020. We got a whole offseason to talk about that stuff. Terry jumps back in, $10 donation. He says, getting ready for a cold snap up here. He's up in Canada. Minus 30 to minus 40. Dang, This week, keeping warm with my good friend Vic, a new Broncos fan. Does this change the draft now for the Broncos? Well, it definitely alters it because if you're John Elway and Vic Fangio, when you go on the clock or how you scout offensive players, whether it's skill, whether it's offensive line, however you scout them and however you organize your board, your OC now is going to have a say, even if it's not necessarily in how you rank them on the board, he's going to have a say on who you pick when the when you actually go on the clock if it's an offensive player. You know, I was thinking during this question that the, maybe the one positive is in New York, in, under Pat Shermer, they went out and signed a bunch of wide receivers, Golden Tate, Cody Latimer. So maybe this would persuade the Broncos to go wide receiver in round one, which is where I think the Broncos should go. Someone like Ruggs or trading back for someone like Chenault, whatever, what have you. But regardless now, having this man in the building, having this voice who I'm sure Fangio will grow to respect and take his cues from, we can count on, I think, that Broncos going offense to help out Drew Locke in round one, either as a tackle or wide receiver, Chad. Our friend Black Knight 232 jumps in with a $10 donation on Thank Super you. Chat. Appreciate you, brother. Says, I was surprised when I seen that Scangarello was canned. I think Tom McMahon, special teams coordinator, is still gone. Are you going to have any guests for this week's streams? I got questions about free agency. I wish to ask them. Um, depends on who you want to see. Tell us in the in the stream. We can get Nick on. We can get Eric on. And again, I gotta I gotta credit Eric because he took a lot of flack <clears throat> on social media. There were some some beefs that occurred, in fact, with other uh, Denver Broncos uh, websites out there. I'll just put it that way. 
how ridiculous they thought it was, the notion that Rich Gangarello, a first-year coordinator and a guy that the Broncos fought to hire, you know, convincing, having to get the favor, you know, to to allow Kyle Shanahan to lift his block on on even interviewing Scangarello and for the Broncos to hire him. How could the Broncos possibly even consider firing Rich Gangarello? And here we are, he's fired. So I don't know. We'll uh, we can look Zach at bringing on Eric Trickle. We can look at, at Nick Carl. Um, but what's your thoughts on Tom McMahon? I don't think he's going anywhere, dude. To be honest with you, I don't understand it, and that's why I was saying this is kind of uh, hypocritical. It, it falls on deaf ears. It rings hollow. If Fangio is saying he wants to get better and wants to improve the team and not, is not going to cut corners, yet the one coordinator who was hurting the team week in and week out gets to keep his job in McMahon for another year, surviving two regime changes now. I do not understand why he's still there. I do not understand why Wadman is still there. They need to replace him as well if they're serious about making these changes. If they do, they'll get back on the right track. But McMahon should not have a job, but I'm with you, I think, until otherwise. I don't know what he has on Elway, what he has on Fangio, but I think his job security is pretty pretty good. Indeed. And they brought in that new uh, punter is it Trevor Daniel off the top of my head I think for some reason I've had a hard time remembering that dude's name that's the second time I've been questionable on the name here on the podcast but hopefully Colby Wadman's days are numbered at least slightly above average jumps in and a Thank beautiful you. profile pick there Fred Krueger <laughs> $5 donation on Super Chat does this firing set Denver back for another year after looking like they were on the up and coming not necessarily even if as is if we were to take a completely pessimistic view of this you never you, you can never say for sure how a new offense how a new coordinator on either side of the ball is going to affect a unit for example Vic Fangio had a great defense set up in Chicago everyone thought that the experienced veteran coach of Chuck Pagano coming in that it was just going to be like a guy jumping into the Ferrari and you know here we go here's here's the keys keep going fast it didn't quite work out that way for the Chicago Bears. Vic Fangio came to Denver. And even though that defense in Chicago was still very good, it was nowhere near the form that Vic Fangio <clears throat> had that thing humming last year. And you can pick a lot of different situations on the offensive side of the ball throughout the league. I mean, even look at what the Green Bay Packers have accomplished this year with Matt LaFleur coming in as a first-time head coach and new play caller on that side of the ball. Suddenly an, an inept and in, you know sub-500 Packers offense they're going to make it probably to the NFC Championship game. We're podcasting while that's still going right now, but I don't think we can say at this stage. I'm a little bit more inclined to take an optimistic view, Zach, than, than maybe you are at this stage, but I don't think it by any stretch means that they are taking a, a step backward. I think this is all made because they want Drew Locke to take a quantum leap forward, and they were not convinced Scangarello could ensure that. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think it's going to be a setback for the Broncos. And if there's anything about Drew Locke here, at least he has experience and at least he's you know familiar with learning scheme after scheme, going through coordinator after coordinator. He has uh, that behind his belt. So uh, this shouldn't be a problem for him. The only thing is his development will shape the Broncos for this season. That was always going to be the case no matter who's the coordinator. If Shermer can accelerate that, the Broncos will be fine. But if uh, Locke doesn't take to it or if he doesn't match with Shermer for whatever reason, then they're going to take a step back. But I believe if anything, if anything, I'm being optimistic right now. It should be a lateral move, if anything. If you know, in the best case scenario, it could be a massive upgrade. Edward wants to know <clears throat> with a five dollar donation on Super Chat, is Shermer more of a passing guy or a run guy? And do you think he will be good for Drew Locke? I do think he's going to be good for Locke, but as it relates <clears throat> to his scheme, <clears throat> sorry guys, 
frog in my throat there. He's got a history coming up in the West Coast offense. Talked about his time in Philly, the Andy Reid connection. He also spent time under Chip Kelly. He's his own. He's been exposed to a lot of different coaching philosophies, but he keeps it more on the West Coast side of things. So the offense is going to look similar to what you're used to it seeing from an aesthetic perspective. When they line up the plays they run, the question is, can he put? Can he change things up to where they're a little bit more inventive pre-snap? Not so much just gadget plays because Scangarello called gadget plays. They just they were always at the wrong time. They were always in the wrong down and distance. Always and a tight end sweep. Rarely worked. Yes, yes, the tight end sweep. So it's not just calling gadget plays, but having the instinct and that gut feel for when to call them so that they can really exploit your opponent. I'm more inclined to believe that that Shermer, you know, he's a step in the right direction. He's an experienced guy, been in the league, calling plays basically for 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I, I can leave myself open to coming around to it, but I think based on his history with the Giants last couple of years, he ran a lot of one-back systems. So this would be good for Philip Lindsay to be the guy in the Broncos' backfield. That I do like. No more committees, no more uh, multiple running backs approaches, no more two-headed approaches. I want Lindsay to be the guy, and the Broncos should have a pretty fair mix of run and pass. But then, if you can't make it work with Saquon Barkley, you can't make it work in Minnesota with all that talent, how's he going to do it in Denver? So I'll, I'll the jury's still out for me. All right, guys, we've got time for a few more, and then we got to get out of here. Let's kind of grab a few questions, comments here, rapid fire, Zach. This one from Roger. Are the Broncos going to put the franchise tag on anyone this season, Zach? Justin Simmons, I think that's the only candidate for the franchise tag, Chad. Absolutely, and Elway's already intimated that that's on the table for the Denver Broncos. Let's see what else we got here. Alessandro says, Shanahan in the Hall of Fame, yes, but how about Dan Reeves? Top 10 all-time NFL head coach in wins. Yeah, Reeves deserves to. He never got the ring. He's the quintessential head coach with the missing rings. But he took, what, four four teams to the Super Bowl, two different franchises, the Broncos and, of course, the Atlanta Falcons, who ironically lost to the Denver Broncos <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Uh, let's see here. Kirsten wants to know, what is Super Chat? I see that people who donate have a higher priority. It's not so much that they have a higher priority, Kristen. It's that when someone does donate money, Zach and I are like, we can't just ignore them, right? right. I mean, they're making a, they're, they're contributing and supporting the show on a financial scale. And we, the last thing we want to do is ignore them or, or minimize their contribution. So it's not that they have a higher priority per se. We love all of our listeners equal. It's just simply that we got to give them their recognition when they contribute to the show like that. But it's on YouTube for those of you that are wondering. We got a big audience on Facebook. If you watch the show live on YouTube, subscribe to Mile High Huddle on YouTube. There is an option while you're watching where you can get your make make your comment light up with colors through Super Chat and it involves a donation. So that's what that is. We appreciate all of our our uh, Super Chat superstars, as we like to call them here. All right, one or two more. Let me see here. Josh jumps in with a $2 donation on Super Thank Chat. You. Should we sign Eric Armstead? Zach, that's a guy who hasn't been mentioned as much by us in free agency this year. We've talked a lot about Chris Jones. We've talked about the potential of Calais Campbell hitting the market. Uh, Akeem Hicks, your thoughts on Eric Armstead? You know what? I, I would not mind the move at all, Chad. For a, a relatively short-term contract, you don't have to break the bank on him if you don't you know, re-sign Shelby Harris, you don't get Chris Jones. I would not mind an Akeem Hicks or an Eric Armstead. Good depth move for the Broncos, a good veteran mentor for the younger players, so I would not mind that at all. Ben Lee says, what about Garrett Bowles? Will Shermer look for offensive tackle help? I think the Broncos have a mandate to look for offensive tackle yeah. help. 
I mean, even if your your view of Garrett Bowles was the most optimistic from the from the buy on, my views kind of changed a little bit to be a little bit more optimistic. But if you're like the most optimistic you can possibly be about Garrett Bowles and you're high on Garrett Bowles, it's still a mandate, Zach, to go after offensive tackle because you don't know whether or not Juwan James is going to be there for you for 16 games next year. And if he's not, the next guy into the breach is Elijah Wilkinson. We learned this year he's a guard playing tackle. He's out yep. of position. That's not a good idea. And Jake Rogers, even though his initial game against Detroit was encouraging, he took kind of a step back in that season finale against Oakland. Yeah, even if the Broncos didn't have Bowles or Jawan James necessarily starting, they need young developmental linemen. We've been saying it, Chad, for two years now. They don't have a young up-and-comer who can step right into the wings and start for the long-term uh, future of the franchise. So regardless, they're going to go get some offensive tackle help, some guard help, maybe some center help this offseason. Shermer being there will give Fangio more of an edict, I think, to focus on the offense and Elway as well. Peyton says, I don't think Scangarello was ever going to work out. There was just a miscommunication between him and Fangio. He also didn't fire up players and rally behind him. He, yeah, he was kind of a even-killed coach, you know, and he was a guy that, of course, as an offensive coordinator, he called plays from the booth. Shermer is a field-level play caller for whatever that's worth, and uh, I think that might have affected him perhaps in being able to connect more with his, his players. The thing I worry about losing Skangarello, Zach, is simply the teaching aspect developing, continuing to, to develop from a technical perspective, Drew Locke. And you just hope that Shermer has the wherewithal to pick that baton up in midstream and just keep that momentum going and build on it. I mean, how many coordinators are firing up you know, players on the sideline? I don't really see that happening too often. His even-keeled personality, to me, was the least of my concerns with Scangarello. If he can get a good offense on the field, if he can bring along Drew Locke and call a creative game, that's all I really wanted from him. So that's not really what I'm looking for in Shermer. Harry jumps in with a $5 donation on Thank Super Chat. Thanks, Harry. While we want continuity for Locke, at least the verbiage for the offensive play calling system is likely to be less complicated and unwieldy for him. Fair point, Harry, although I'm not sure exactly what the verbiage is like in Shermer's offense. If it is West Coast, unless there's an anecdote out there or something you know about his system that I don't, the West Coast offense uh, nomenclature is – widely known to be long and ponderous and not easy to to memorize. Maybe Shermer's is different. I don't know. I believe, though, Locke in college with one of his coordinators uh, among the bunch, he ran something probably similar to a West Coast scheme, and I, I think he'll pick it up. He's a natural student of the game. He's a natural learner. I don't really uh, think he'll struggle with the terminology, but it's just is this system going to exploit his, his abilities more than Scangarello's? That's the only question that we have to wait to see on. Yes, Shermer is a West Coast offense disciple, Terry. Um, it's, but he's also, as we talked about earlier in the show, he has been exposed to different kinds of coaching, including Andy Reid, uh, Chip Kelly, and then his own thing, of course. Miss Christie jumps in, $5 donation on Thank Super you. Chat. Appreciate you. Jake Wallace, how about them Chiefs? He's a Chiefs fan in our stream. The Chiefs, <laughs> get out. I, we, we didn't get a chance to talk about the playoffs this weekend. And, of course, the Chiefs are heading to the AFC Championship game. They're going to host the upstart Tennessee Titans, who are just rolling right now, knocked off the New England Patriots in their house, then went and just smacked around Lamar Jackson, made him look incompetent in uh, Baltimore. And now they're, they're going to get a shot at the Chiefs. Zach, is this the year that they finally get to hoist the trophy by which you know it's named after their, their owner, Lamar Hunt? 
I think so. I mean, today they fall in that 24 nothing hole. They look, you know, dead and buried. They looked, you know, gone, and they came back, and, and Mahomes is just incredible, Chad. you got to give him his due. That offense is humming right now. The defense isn't great, but I think uh, Tennessee's luck is going to run out next week, and Broncos fans can hate it, but we have to acknowledge the Chiefs for what they are this year. I think it's a championship-level team. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, you guys. If You, you don't want to write off a team like Tennessee because so often you see – Wild card teams have a little bit of an advantage that have to scrap and battle and they don't take the time off and they build momentum. I mean, the Broncos in 97 won a Super Bowl as a wild card team. They had to go the distance. Other teams that have done it in more recent history, Green Bay Packers did it with Aaron Rodgers in 2010. Uh, Baltimore Ravens did it in 2012 with Joe Flacco. The list goes on. There's something to be said, but I think this is where the rubber is going to meet the road and the Tennessee Titans are going to, run into a buzzsaw against Kansas City Chiefs. All right, guys, last one here, and then we got to call it a night. Mark jumps in for the $5 donation. Thank you, Mark. Sorry, guys, been busy working. Colin Coward called Locke undisciplined. <laughs> what a douche. <laughs> Chad and Zach, my boys. You know, Colin Cowherd is a very successful uh, radio guy, and uh, you tip your cap to him, but he does have some buffoonish opinions at times. Yeah, and I wouldn't say his opinion on Locke is the end-all, be-all here. So, uh, undisciplined, that uh, fine. He's had some worse takes, Chad, Colin Coward. I will take you know a, a raw, disciplined quarterback who looks like the face of the franchise, and I, I look for my eye test to be the determining factor, not Colin Coward's opinion. Last one, for sure. Now, we got to go, guys. Is it possible they swapped offensive coordinators because of Shermer's familiarity with the league, i.e. Reed and others? Well, yeah, Benjamin. I mean, the bottom line is they made this change simply because they wanted more experience. Vic Fangio felt like that was a weakness for them or else they wouldn't have made the move. And so they're getting that. If it ends up being Shermer indeed, and all signs point to that, they're just ironing out the details on his deal. They're getting an offensive coordinator, been in the league doing his thing 20 years, plus a two-time former head coach. It really doesn't get a whole heck of a lot more experience than that, Zach, a guy knowing the league, a guy being exposed to not only different coaching trees himself as an assistant, but also basically over – two decades having seen everything that the NFL has to throw at, a, at an offense. Yeah, I mean, say what you want about Shermer. I certainly have, but he has skin in the game, Chad. You can't really knock that. And talk about trees. I wouldn't put too much stock in that because Scangarello was from the Shanahan tree, and we know how that's working out. But I think the Broncos fell in love with Shermer because he has experience and because of his notable you know, past with working with quarterbacks. They know that Locke is, is the future of the franchise, and they're trying to get a guy who can best bring out his abilities. They think that it's Shermer, not Scangarello. So we'll just see. All right, guys, we have got to get out of here for tonight. Thank you for joining us. All of you on YouTube, all of you on Facebook Live, we appreciate each and every one of you taking the time to listen, view this podcast, and also engaging with us in the conversation. And nights like this, especially and as this podcast continues to grow, Zach and I don't always get to read in each individual comment in the stream when we're live, but we do go back, we check it out, we try and stay on top of what all you guys are doing, and we look forward to talking to you guys in these live moments, it's more of a conversation amongst all of us than it is just two guys jumping on and talking about what they want to talk about. Sometimes we do have to talk about what we want to talk about, <laughs> but we we love involving you guys. So thanks for joining us as always. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter though, at Huddle Up Pod. Best way for you to stay on top of everything that's happening with the show and with your Denver Broncos in real time. And then don't forget to follow my partner, Zach Kelberman on Twitter at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned because we will be back in the saddle tomorrow night. It might be a little bit later, and if so, it's just barely because I got to go finish getting one thing done on my tooth, but it's going to be a lot earlier in the afternoon. But, Zach, 
The last time I was in there a couple of weeks ago, I did not foresee being in the chair for four hours. <laughs> so all bets are off, man. I'm going in there at two thirty, and I fully expect to be back in the saddle and rip roar and ready to go in time for our 6 p.m. usual kickoff for the podcast. But just be prepared. It might be a little bit later. We will update you guys on Twitter. But Zach, my brother, have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Uh, good luck tomorrow, Chad. We'll all be waiting for you tomorrow night. Hey, they're just they're just putting a crown on, so I should be good. But like I said, you never know. You never know. So for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Thanks so much, each and every one of you, for joining us. Hat tip to our Super Chat superstars. We appreciate yes. all of Thank you. you guys. And we'll talk to you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.